Hello and welcome to this week's Money on Politics podcast, which is being recorded on Thursday afternoon. It's around four o'clock. As always, is based on last week's broadsheet article, or last Monday's broadsheet article, to say more correctly. That, in turn, looked at what it uses the starting point as what's happening in the UK at the moment. And then from there, I pivot to Irish politics. Because what's happening in the British politics at the moment is absolutely fascinating, particularly the trials and the difficulties besetting Boris Johnson. You see, in politics, it's the things you don't say or the things you hesitate over saying that can often tell you more about what somebody's really thinking than what it is that they actually say. You can hear a near perfect, near textbook almost example in this short clip from BBC Radio Devon interview with a local Tory MP, Simon Jupp asked if he thinks that Boris Johnson will still be Prime Minister and Tory leader this time next month. Jupp, a former BBC journalist and senior party communications advisor, responds with, well, listen to yourself. Do you think that Boris Johnson will still be the Prime Minister in a month's time? I I think that the... Uh, that, that, uh, it, I think he probably will be. You heard it there. There's about three or four seconds of silence before about another five to six seconds of him struggling to say that he probably will. Now, setting aside the schadenfreude of hearing a former political press officer who probably in his time scolded ministers on dire media housings, delivering an even worse one on himself, Chubb's performance highlights the scale of the peril facing Johnson. Though he now holds what was once a safe Tory seat, Jupp was still a beneficiary of the borrowed spounce in 2019 and is one of the intake of new MPs whose personal loyalty to Boris would be presumed. Incorrectly, it seems. That says Jupp is probably right. And indeed, I think as the events of the last few days have shown, we can see that Boris will probably limp through for a little bit longer, although he's clearly damaged goods and is a potential liability to the Tory party. It may well be that the, the eventual Sue Gray report doesn't quite exonerate him but is sufficiently cloudy to let him through for a little bit longer it could take several more months for the 54 letters needed to trigger a no confidence motion are submitted to the infamous 1922 Tory backbench committee indeed it's been suggested that sometime early in May could provide the trigger point I heard I think David Gawk a former minister in Theresa May's cabinet suggesting that because there's local elections due on May the 5th in London in parts of England and all of Wales and Scotland that's also probably the date of the Northern Ireland Assembly election. But given the febrile state of politics at Stormont and the clear willingness of Johnson's government to do anything to halt the DUP's electoral decline, who can say for certain? Indeed, actually yesterday on Wednesday we saw Boris Johnson very, very quickly dropping plans to allow the DUP to double job. Now, in fairness, all parties would have been open to them for MPs to run again for Stormont. And that was something that was got rid of several years ago, where said, where local politicians have to decide either to go for to to Westminster or to Stormont. The British government were suggesting reopening that and leading it leading it back up, but there has been such a furore and such pressure that it's now quite clear that they've abandoned those plans, and that's welcome news. Um, you would have preferred to have had a little bit more noise from Dublin on that, but possibly this was done behind the scenes, and we should certainly hope so. However, returning to Boris Johnson's personal travails, you think heavy losses in those UK local elections in May could well send any wavering MPs who were clinging to the forlorn hope that Johnson might still be an election winner for them, scurrying to grab their pens and to submit their letters demanding a heave, or as they call it in Australia, his spill. By the way, I kind of prefer that term. 
I suggest you check out the excellent documentaries that there are uh, on the relationship between Bob Hawke and Paul Keating and then subsequently between Kevin Rudd and Julia Gillard. They're absolutely fascinating and watching the, the spills as they call them against each of them. Indeed in the case of Julia Gillard and Kevin Rudd there's a point where you actually lose count of them. Anyway, back to the situation here. Because even at the best of political times, local and council elections or even European elections held at the midpoint of a government term can be a problem. Though political scientists class council and local elections as second order elections, with voters viewing them as less important. Indeed, it's actually it's, it's this less at stake attitude that makes them career enders for national politicians as voters use their ballot more often than not to punish the governing party. For most governments, the midpoint also marks its lowest polling point. The positive outcomes of promises made at the last general election have yet to be felt, while the less pleasant impacts of those the tough decisions taken early on are still biting. It's a universal truism. Well, it is in the places that practice liberal democracy. Those second-order elections are widely defined as having three classic characteristics. Lower turnouts, when compared with national parliamentary elections, losses for the national governing parties, and also that larger parties tend to do worse and smaller parties do better. That's the nature of the second-order midterm elections. So the forthcoming May elections could be a big political contest for Boris Johnson's relationship with the British voting public. Indeed, it would have been the case almost without the daily revelations of rule-breaking, partying and hypocrisy at number 10. And with them, it is hard to see how he survives much past beyond the, beyond the May results, particularly in those red wall seats where those MPs will see, if they see a lot of the councillors going in their backyard, they'll see that they are next. And particularly if there's any kind of uh, surge to the to Keir Starmer's Labour Party. Meanwhile, though faced with their own respective travails here, Leo Varadkar, Michael Martin and Heyman Ryan can all heave, though not in the spill sense, a sigh of relief that there are neither local nor European elections scheduled here until May 2024. Or can they? The former Labour British Home Secretary Jack Straw once infamously said of his department that it was a place where many industrious civil servants were working quietly away on projects that could destroy a minister's career at any moment. The project that could end the electoral peace that Veralker, Martin and Ryan are hoping that will continue right through to 2024 is not that secret however. Even or ominously, the one working industriously on its delivery is not a civil servant. It's a junior minister. That junior minister is Fine Gael's Peter Burke and the project is not some plan of his by the way but rather a firm commitment agreed by all party leaders and included on page 118 of the 2020 programme for government entitled Our Shared Future. The quote if you're interested in it is We will pass legislation to allow the first directly elected mayor in Limerick to be elected in 2021. We will support the first directly elected mayor with a financial package to deliver upon their mandate. It's not Peter Burke's fault or anyone's fault that the 2021 target has been missed. To be fair to almost all concerned, there is a general acceptance that would have been impossible, maybe not impossible, but certainly difficult to organise and hold an election during a pandemic. But on the flip side, there is a concern in Limerick that now over 1,000 days have passed since the people of Limerick voted to create the position of directly elected mayor. The election of mayor is now not much closer to reality than it was in 2019, 2020 or 2021. Once again, this is not the junior minister's fault. It's only nine months since he announced that the cabinet had given approval to drafting the necessary legislation. 
Indeed, it's only three months since he told a local Limerick newspaper that he hoped the election would take place by next summer. Indeed, it's only a few weeks since he went out to attend the Irish Examiner that he was t- taking the recommendations made during the pre-legislative scrutiny report released by the Joint Oireachtas Committee and ensuring that, and I quote, the role will have real power when its first holder is elected sometime later this year. So, can we be certain that there will be an election for a directly elected Mayor of Limerick during the midpoint of this government, or, in, or even in the run-up to the, the turnaround in the revolving Taoiseach? Somehow or other, I'm not too sure that there will be. I'm, I'm dubious. And although I think Peter Burke is, is sincere when he says that he hopes to have the election either immediately before or immediately after the summer, I think the party leaders and the pollsters will be very reluctant to press ahead with a midpoint second order election that could see candidates from the three government parties not just defeated, but badly defeated. Can you imagine the deep political problems or awkward leadership questions that would follow a Limerick election result where the Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil candidate came fourth, fifth or even worse? Why, did I, why do I think the Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and Green parties could come fourth or fifth? Well, I think it's a possibility that there will be a strong independent candidate, uh, given the polling results and the strength in Limerick. I think it's, it wouldn't be unusual to expect there to be a strong Sinn Féin candidate and a decent-sized Sinn Féin vote. And who knows, maybe the Labour Party could make a pullback here in what, in what once was a stronghold for them. Now, I'm not predicting any of this, but it is quite possible that you could see the first three candidates being oppositional candidates. So you could have a strong independent who could pick up a Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil vote, uh, Sinn Féin getting its own vote, and Sinn Féin, or sorry, the Labour Party regaining some of its old votes. Who knows? I'm not making a prediction. I'm just saying it's a possibility that you could have Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Greens coming fourth, fifth and sixth. Kind of is the worst case scenario, but you couldn't rule it out. By the way, I'm assuming here that all the parties, and particularly Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, would field their own candidates. And I think it's a normal assumption, as having one of those parties opting out, as Fianna Fáil did in the presidential election after 2011, or to propose a joint voting pact would raise huge questions, the consequences of which were even worse than coming up for a third or fourth. Now, as I've explained many times before, I am not totally opposed to the idea of a directly elected mayor. I'm not a big fan of it, but I'm not a totally opposed to it. One place where I am totally opposed to it is where that where the area involved is pop is host to the population roughly equal to one third or a quarter of the state. For me, the issue of having a directly elected mayor for the Greater Dublin area raises major issues of scale. Now, while the citizens of Cork and Waterford voted narrowly in 2019 not to have a directly elected mayor, the people of Limerick voted for it, and their wishes must be respected. Indeed, this is the point made by several prominent local Limerick figures, including the former Secretary-General of the Department of Finance, John Moran. Just before Christmas, John Moran posted his concerns online, saying, some even suggesting it might have to wait another thousand days at least, six full years. End quote. I, I take this to be a reference to some whispers that have been going around since late last year that the election could be postponed further to coincide with the 2024 local elections to make the term of office of the mayor and the council co-determinus. I don't know if that's a serious proposal. I don't know if it's a serious possibility. But if it is, then the advocates of that will need to take a bottle of tippics of the programme for government and probably a serious set of restraints for Peter Burke, who has bravely staked his political fortunes on delivering this project. In the meantime, 
One way to determine if the government parties are serious about holding this election, be that immediately before or after the summer, is to see if, they, if they're starting to make the necessary political preparations, particularly the selection of candidates anytime soon. I mean, the parties have learned in European elections that waiting till the last minute to pick your candidates is not a good idea. And for Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael in particular, but also for the Green Party who have a season limerick, this will be a big electoral test. So I would imagine if the parties are convinced that the election is taking place either before or after the summer, and we suppose that the end of September, beginning of October is the most likely date for it, that you will then that you will probably see the parties sometime after March or April starting the preparations for sounding out candidates, making preparations, making approaches, and starting to put together a local a local strategy and a local election campaign because this is quite a different type of election. And while it is in many ways a glorified by-election, it is a by-election on a national scale. This is the creating a new office. Fine Gael have been telling us since they first advocated this back in 2019 that this was a historical opportunity, that you're creating the most powerful position outside of Cabinet. And I think, of course, I think you'll expect a, you would expect to see an election campaign to match that. So we should know in the next couple of months, probably March, April, if the parties are serious about that. If you're not seeing public demonstration or a public, or sorry, if you're not hearing rumours about parties approaching this candidate or that person been asked to run or this person been asked to run, then I think it might be, you might start to assume that the move to put this back to 2024 is possibly a serious one. However, to every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. And I think the reaction to that will be quite bad. Anyway, that's this week's Mooney on Politics podcast. Over the next couple of days, we'll see what happens with Boris Johnson because literally from day to day, it's impossible to say what's happening. I do think he's going to get through a few more weeks. I think we'll see what the Sue Gray report says next week. Any ramifications has for him for that. In the meantime, I think we'll have, we'll need to start pointing our or start looking north to start to look at the preparations for what will be the May assembly elections in Northern Ireland, which will be a seriously important assembly election, and to look over the next few weeks to see what the DUP does. Do they move on their threat to bring down the 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 institutions to bring down Stormont and the executive? And um, if so, I think they're playing a very very dangerous game. But I think that's something we need to watch, and it'll certainly be something I'll be keeping an eye on over the next uh, eight to ten weeks all right thank you very much hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll talk to you again next week bye